0: Good morning. We are thankful that you are here. We've got several visitors in our midst, as well as several of our own members who are out. We've got some who are traveling, some who are sick, many this time of year who are sick, but we're thankful that you are able to be with us this morning, especially to our visitors. We're glad that you've chosen to be here. Uh, Many of you saw me come forward here even after Charles' announcements, we're thankful Brett. Brett was able to help fill in back there, but it's a good time at the end of the year to make another announcement as we sometimes do. Uh, If you have any desire to serve in any particular way, especially to our men, uh, certainly Christian men in a capacity in our worship service, uh, we have a men's meeting usually in January where we kind of try to reset and and even fill out new forms sometimes. But we'd love for you to, Charles is the main one who kind of gets those things together. You can let him know. even Travis Friedle got a little crash course uh, on the sound booth the other night, but he was helping serve on the table this morning. But if you would like to serve in any particular way, again, especially to our men in the worship service, let us know. But to anyone, as we think about the end of the year already rolling around on us here and think consider a new year coming up, uh, we would love for you to be involved with the congregation here if you have any desire uh, in any particular way. We want to put everyone to work. We want to continue to work together. Appreciate Bob's prayers this morning and Jerry's as well about all the good things that are going on at the congregation here. And We're just thankful that you're with us this morning. We are going to continue this morning in a, a series that we've been doing. Uh, the rest of the year, we'll have a couple of just kind of individual lessons the next couple of Sunday mornings. The last Sunday night of the month, of the year if you're able to be with us. Uh, We're going to kind of recap the year. Many of you will be traveling. Several of you have already let us know that you might be gone uh, through that weekend, and we understand that as well and hope everyone has safe travel through the holidays. Uh, But we will be kind of recapping the year, the last Sunday night of the month, talking about all the things that we have done. Uh, And so we look forward to a few more Sundays together and then rolling the calendar over and thinking about some new things in the new year. But as we consider prayer, as we have been doing over the last few weeks, we've asked the question several times, how do you pray? And this morning, we're going to get into a few more specifics of exactly what that means, exactly what that looks like uh, for us as we talk about man's role in prayer. But how do you pray? It's not a trick question. It's more just to stimulate our minds to consider exactly what it is we do, maybe how often we do it. Uh, and we've added in not just how do you pray, but over the last few weeks, how have you prayed? Um, if we're all honest, I think we admit that sometimes our prayer life is up and down, simply like our spiritually li- uh, spiritual life. Sometimes we're better at praying other times we kind of uh, fall away and we don't do as well for a while so not only how do you pray but how have you prayed the first week we talked about the fact that it really is pouring out your soul to the Lord you may recall that we talked about Hannah if you remember we talked about from first Samuel chapter one the great sorrow that Hannah felt And wanting a child so bad, and wanting a child so bad that, that she'd do anything, we get the idea. But of course we read that she was barren, and so she talks to God. And it is described there in 1 Samuel chapter 1 as pouring out her soul before the Lord. Appreciate Charles and many of our song leaders leading songs that connect with the lessons. And I, I was even noticing how those talk about our desire and about letting him know and going to him at dawn or on our knees. And we're going we're gonna to talk about those this morning. But if it is pouring out your soul before the Lord, appreciate Jerry's prayer. As he talked again, we said that first week that it is probably our most underutilized weapon our most underutilized tool in the fight to stay strong in the faith, in the fight against Satan. We often forget that prayer is a tool, it is a weapon, we can use it. It's kind of like worship sometimes, or even singing, it's just something we check off. Well, I, I prayed before I ate lunch and, and supper, I mean, so check, check the box and we're done. And we, that's all it is for us, instead of a weapon or a tool that we can use. And even last week we talked about Ephesians chapter 3, And verse number 20, if it really is pouring out your soul before the Lord, if it really is understanding that we serve a God who is able, exceedingly abundantly able above all that we ask or even can imagine. God is truly able. So do we pray in that kind of spirit? Do we pray with that kind of thought process going to the one who can do anything? Nothing is too hard for him. Is that how we pray? This morning we want to give I want to give you a few tips. Some tips for us. We've talked about what prayer is, we've talked about man's role, we're gonna talk about or God's role, we're gonna talk about man's role, and maybe not necessarily even role, but what we can do. What are some pointers or some tips for going deeper in prayer? We've got about six this morning that I hope that you'll consider. I hope that you really will consider these things and really try to practice. This disclaimer up front it's not a magical formula. I mean, I wish I had it some ways I wish I could make it easier for you and say do this and everything else is just easy It's not a magical formula. It still takes work. It still takes practice but just try To go deeper in prayer to god. So here we go. Number one pray scripture Do you ever know sometimes or ever wonder what you should pray? Have you ever considered praying scripture open up to a passage? Just open up to a passage. Well, maybe, number one, just read it. If you want to talk about praying scripture, maybe, first of all, just read it. Just read it out loud. I heard someone say recently that, that we should describe God to God. If we want to go deeper in prayer, we should describe God to God. That sounds kind of backwards. It sounds kind of silly to us. But it's also a little interesting that we would try to describe God to, to him. I know he knows. We, we got that. We've talked about that. But would it be important for us or beneficial to us to try to praise Scripture? There's many passages in Scripture, so many places, especially the Psalms, where God, God is described in such a beautiful fashion. I keep coming back to this fact, and we're going to talk about it towards the end again, but it's a relationship, right? We've said that. How do you handle your relationship, relationships here on earth? Or maybe specifically with your spouse, now, we're not all the best at it all the time, I understand, but think about if we are being the best at it, what would we do? Well, especially when early on when we were in love and we were dating, we would describe our spouse to him or her. And what would we use? We'd use beautiful words and talk about how they look and, and their characteristics. Could we not do the same thing to God? So maybe, number one, just read a passage. Just, just go to one of the Psalms. But maybe, number two, just read a passage that you know is you in that situation. A couple of examples, Psalm 69, the 69th Psalm. Have you ever noticed that before? I've thought about preaching through the Psalms or through part of them, and when I start flipping through them, I notice how many I've never really looked at before. You know, I never noticed that. We know the first Psalm, we know the 23rd Psalm, but, but Psalm 69, have you ever looked there and looked for yourself? Because what does it say? Mine says, it is an urgent plea. Well, look at Psalm 69. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. Does that sound like you? We appreciate Jerry's prayer again, praying for about those who are dealing with anxiety or depression, those kinds of struggles. Have you ever felt like the water was just about up to your neck? Have you tried to pray the 69th Psalm before? Reading through there and recognizing the situation that you're in. But maybe in connection with reading that passage that you know is a situation you're in, let it guide you. Think about the 23rd Psalm. That's one that we know. Pray for our shepherds. When we read the 23rd Psalm and we read that scripture, then we stop and we pray for our shepherds. Let the passage guide your thoughts. What about later on in the 23rd Psalm? I shall not want. Pray for all the ways that God has abundantly blessed you in your life. Because as we have said recently in these lessons, it's hard to argue that we are not a blessed people. Sure, things aren't perfect, but we are very blessed. But as for me, my prayer is to you. Think about John 17. If you've ever read John 17, that's what we sometimes call the true Lord's Prayer. Jesus prays for about three groups of people there. He prays for himself and he prays for his apostles or disciples. And number three, at the end of John 17, he prays for all believers. Stop and read that. Pray scripture sometimes. It's not a cop-out. But maybe it's another tip to encourage us to go deeper in prayer. Hopefully you're studying your Bible. We talked about that in our class here in the auditorium on Wednesday night. Hopefully you're studying on your own. When you come across a passage, write it down. Mark it and maybe come back to it later. If you come across a passage where you hear someone reading or, or you're reading about someone who's saying they're in trouble and they need God, make a note. And maybe you turn there the next time you're considering that type of feeling. Number two. I may have died there Brett, my uh, Mark or my remote here. Can you go forward one? Number two, pray in your closet. If you've got your Bibles, look in Matthew chapter six. Matthew chapter six. Pray in your closet. Literally, maybe. You recall in Matthew 6, before what many times people call the Lord's Prayer, we call the model prayer, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. A powerful statement by the Lord. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward, but But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Pray in your closet, pray in your room, pray in private, essentially. Well, why would that be beneficial? Why? Because no one play acts in private. Nobody play acts in private. Is it true that sometimes we, all of us, myself included, that we're tempted from time to time when we are speaking before a group, when we are praying before a group that we want to sound good, don't we? We we want to sound educated. We want to impress others. We want to to use words that make sense and, and sometimes can be beneficial to us. But we don't do that when we're alone. We don't do that when we're alone. What's the saying that is it character? Character is who you are when no one's watching, or your integrity is who you are when no one's watching. It's true, isn't it? That sometimes that, that we, we're one way in public, but we're another way in private. Now, hopefully, for you here this morning within the sound of my voice as Christians, that's not exactly true. But if we're being honest, there's every once in a while that, that maybe in private we're not exactly the way that we are in public. To pray in private is a great opportunity to commune and talk to God. Again, go back to your relationships. Do you share openly in front of a group? I think about things like AA meetings and places like that. It's beneficial. But for many people, it's hard because they don't want to go in front of a group. They might go talk to a counselor. But in front of a group, saying these things, sharing these emotions, it's hard. One-on-one? Yeah, we'll do that sometimes. Go to God privately. We share more deeply often with other humans in that sense when we're alone we do with God as well. No one play acts in private. Do You want to pray deeper prayers? Then, then go to your closet. Go to your room and, and shut the door because while not everything we do in public is to be seen by men, I mean, if we're honest, sometimes it, it is or sometimes we get compliments or sometimes maybe just a little. So when you go to your co- closet or to your room and pray and you shut the door and no one knows you're praying, chances are maybe you'll be a little deeper in prayer. Number three, ignore time. Ignore time. Now, I think this is actually interesting because it can provide a double benefit. I mean ignore it altogether both ways. I'm afraid what we get into is that we bind time to our prayers. And very often that prevents us from praying at all because we try to bind time to our prayers. We talk about prayers that are too long. Remember in Luke chapter 6 and verse number 12, now it came to pass in those days that he, that's Jesus, went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. We think about prayers that might be considered too short. Luke chapter 18 and verse 13. Remember the prayer of the tax collector. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Was that it? That's all that's recorded for us. Maybe it was. But we get in this thing that sometimes we, we don't pray because uh, we don't want it to be too long or it's not long enough or we go back and forth. We bind time to our prayers or our prayers to time and then we just don't pray. So which is it? Is it too long or is it too short? My answer is ignore time altogether. We feel like if we don't pray long prayers, then they're not accepted. So because we can't go for five minutes or ten minutes or, or all night long, we don't pray. Sometimes we feel like our prayers are too short. I don't have enough time in this moment, in this minute that I have to pray, so we don't pray. Are you worried about your marriage? Are you concerned about your children, the college they might choose, or the young person they're dating? Has your best friend been told they have less than two years to live and they will leave behind a spouse and young children? Pray. Pray all night long if you have to. Ignore time. Those things that weigh heavy on us should cause us to maybe go longer, if you will, in prayer. Are you worried about the meeting that you're about to have with your boss? Do you want some strength to face this test at work or this test at school? Do you know someone who is at the doctor that very moment and waiting for a test result? Pray right then. Stop and and turn your head privately and pray or keep driving. Don't close your eyes, obviously, but focus your mind for 30 seconds as you're driving and pray. Ignore the time because when we bind our prayers to time, very often we won't pray at all. Do you want to go deeper in prayer? Ignore the time because I don't see any limits necessarily when it comes to scripture. Number next, change your posture. Maybe you've heard a lesson before on the posture of prayer. I feel like we live in such a litigious society. Maybe I need to give a disclaimer here, you know, on some of these things we're about to talk about. You have to use them at your own risk. Maybe you should, can, should consult a doctor. I, I, what I don't need is James Isom calling me next week and saying that Catherine's in the floor praying and now she can't get up and I've got to come help. So you've got to use these at your own disclaimer, all right? at your own uh, will. But change your posture. Now, our typical posture is what? We bow our heads, we close our eyes. That's fine. It's a posture I choose myself most of the times. I like it because it's reverential. We're bowing our heads in a sense, but we don't do other things maybe that we're going to talk about in a moment. But a question for you. Does our posture reflect the attitude of the heart or does it influence the attitude of the heart? Does our posture reflect the attitude of our heart or influence the attitude of our heart? I think the answer is both. Well, let's talk about a few here together. Number one, Genesis chapter 24 and verse number 13. Abraham here, if you recall in Genesis 24, is looking for a wife for Isaac, so he sends his servant. And the Bible says that he is by a well, this servant, and he, the Bible says that he is standing there by a well. So sometimes we stand. Again, a perfectly fine prayer posture. We do it oftentimes in our service simply because we're standing for the song or because the person leading the prayer asks us to. But, but we see in the Bible that sometimes people stand. Next, First Timothy chapter 2 in verse number 8. First Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 8. Now this may be a passage that you are familiar with. Paul says, I desire therefore that the men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. So there's a much deeper discussion here that could be had. Is this literal or not? Uh, Some may believe that this is purely symbolic. You would note there's an interesting word there that men would do it. So it's not talking about women. but, But sometimes people raise their hands. Is there anything wrong with that? I don't know necessarily that there is. Can you imagine in your mind a way that we would be reaching out to God in prayer, maybe? So there's a much more discussion. We don't oftentimes see people do it in prayer. Uh, Certainly in the world, we see people do it sometimes when they're singing, but the idea of raised hands, reaching out to our father, even as we talked about last week, that's one possibility. Number next, Daniel chapter six and verse number 10, one that we are very familiar with. Daniel does his thing here. I mean, it's his thing. He's been doing it. Everybody knows. I mean, we know about Daniel and the only way the only way that these guys could catch him was because they knew that this is where he was going to be. This is what he was going to be doing. This is what the people knew. And it's so much that they're able to trap him. But the Bible says there in Daniel six ten, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. And he got down on his knees three times a day. I mean, like clockwork. We joke sometimes that you could set your clock by so-and-so doing something. They knew where Daniel would be three times a day. Upper room, window open, sashes turned back, on his knees in prayer. Have you ever knelt in prayer before? Uh, I'm a basketball fan. always have been played when I was a kid. I love the movie Hoosiers, right? If you're a basketball fan, you had to watch Hoosiers as a kid, the the story of the Cinderella team there in the Indiana State Basketball uh, Tournament. I'll tell one on myself here for you, all right? Kneeling in prayer. You may recall in that movie, there's one of the young men, he's named Strap, and he's known in the movie for getting down on his knee in prayer. He does it in the locker room, and even one time he does it on the court before he's getting ready to go out onto the court as the timeout is breaking. He's down on his knee in prayer. And I'll tell you this, on myself, for a while, that's what I wanted to do. Now, I wanted to do it because it was in the movie that I you know, liked, that this young guy was doing it, but kneeling in prayer. Maybe it's on both knees, maybe it's on one knee, but I did get down in prayer every once in a while, or get down on my knees in prayer every once in a while because kneeling is certainly a type of posture when we pray. Exodus chapter 34 and verse number 8. So Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth, and he worshiped. How low was he? How did it look? Well, we don't know, but it's certainly a prayer posture. He bowed his head toward the earth and he worshiped. I would imagine that he was maybe more than just our simple bowing of our head as we do. He was probably more uh, prostrate down toward the ground in in that kind of way. But there's you another one. What about Luke chapter 18 and verse 13? We already touched on it a few moments ago, but the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven. But what would he do? He wouldn't raise his eyes to heaven and he would beat upon his chest. It's a prayer posture, not something we practice very often and understandably so. God be merciful to me, a sinner. Let's talk about a couple with Jesus here. John chapter 17 and verse number one. Uh, He lifted up his eyes to heaven. This is the beginning of John 17. We talked about a few moments ago with the Lord's prayer. This is the Lord's prayer. And what does he do? He lifts his eyes towards heaven. This is another one that I enjoy sometimes. When you're out at night, it's dark. Stars are in the sky. Have you ever stopped and looked up to the heavens and prayed to God? I enjoy that one because I I do. I feel closer in a sense by looking up and seeing his handiwork, considering the little speck in the world that we are. Jesus lifted his eyes in prayer. Have you ever done that? And what about Matthew chapter 26 and verse number 39? We talked about this one last week as we talked about Jesus being told no as he asked for the cup to be passed from him. But he fell on his face. Fell on his face. Have you ever done that? You want to go deeper in prayer, maybe we should consider changing our prayer posture. Not every single time do we have to kneel. Not every single time maybe are we laying on the ground or or raising our hands or our eyes to heaven. But it might help us to consider changing our posture every once in a while. Number next in our major points here, our tips, write it down. You want to go deeper in prayer, write it down. Question, have you ever kept a prayer journal before? I hope that you have, and probably many of you have. Cody encouraged our young people earlier this year to do that and even handed out notebooks and said, go keep a prayer journal. But what often do we write down? What do we write down when we have a prayer journal? Well, we pray for the people in the hospital. We pray for the shut-ins. We pray for those with cancer. That's good. I'm glad that you wrote that down. They need our prayers. But I have a more serious, difficult question for you. Have you ever written down the sins That you need to confess. Have you ever stopped and written down those things? Because what what happens when you write them down? You got to look at them. Have you ever written down the problems that you have in your own life with the sins? Maybe the closest we come in the Bible is the 51st Psalm. You may recall the 51st Psalm is David's response to what he has done when he has been confronted with his sins with Bathsheba. Remember there that David says, for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil. Have you ever written it down? Especially the sins that we need to confess because we don't want to do that. I mean, we'll list all the sick. We'll list everybody who we know of and we'll pray to God and we'll tell them how great he is and how thankful we are and we are. But we kind of leave off sometimes the the problems in our life, the problems with our soul, the sins that we need to confess. Do you want to go deeper in prayer? Write them down. Maybe a few completely word for word, an entire prayer word for word. Maybe sometimes just a list, a list of the sick, a list of my efforts and what I need to work on. But if you want to go deeper in prayer, write them down. And then next and finally, remember what you are doing. Remember that you're talking to God. We talked last week about the fact that we, uh, about meditating on the fact that he is our father and how comforting that can be. And don't miss the connection to what we talked about last week. Not only is he our father and he hears us, but he will always do the right thing, always. And last week we noticed how his answer to our prayers is always the right thing. Now, Now, maybe you had a father like mine. He was just mean. You know, my father was just mean. You know why, right? Because he wouldn't give me everything that I wanted, right? You laugh because you know, right? We all had that mean parent that wouldn't give us what, it wouldn't give us everything that we wanted. We've already said it this way, but maybe we should pray like Jesus. Father, if it be your will. Father, not my will, but your will be done. We're talking to our Father. He has our best interests at heart, and he will always do the right thing. And I'm going to serve him no matter what. Remember there right before the model prayer in Matthew 5, the model prayer that Jesus gives there in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says right before it, for our Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. That's who we're talking to. The one who knows. He just knows. He just knows everything that we need, and he still wants us to share with him. He still wants to have that relationship, but he just knows. We sang it just a moment ago. At my Father's throne, make all my wants and wishes known. Do you want to go deeper in prayer? Remember what you're doing, that you're talking to God. It's not a magical formula, but it is remembering that we serve the one who nothing is too hard for Who is abundantly, exceedingly able above all that we can ask or imagine? That's it. I mean, I didn't figure I could prepare anything that is earth shattering in these series of lessons. If God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, and He has, and if there is nothing new under the sun, and there isn't, then the way I see it, I can't do much for you that you haven't already heard before. So, how do you pray? I hope that over the course of these three weeks, you have honestly considered this question. I hope that you will go forth with renewed zeal and effort to be a better communicator to God. He's given us all that we need. He simply asks that we talk to him. And we've said it each week, but one more time, you cannot talk with God if you do not have a relationship. You enter into a relationship with him by being obedient to his simple commands. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never done that. You've never become a child of God by being baptized for the remission of your sins so that he can add you to his church. We'll be singing in a moment to encourage you to know Jesus, to become obedient, to begin that most wonderful and beautiful and great relationship. Maybe you're here this morning and you've done that, but you've wandered away. Just like our earthly relationships, again, we turn our back on people sometimes, and very often we turn our back on God. He will never leave us nor forsake us, but we allow sin to enter our lives. That sin separates us from God, and if you're here this morning and you're a Christian, you stand in need of God's second law of pardon, we'll be singing to encourage you as well that maybe you would make your life right. It is one of the greatest tools and weapons at our disposal, but it's only available to those who are right in the sight of God. Do you need to become a Christian? Do you need to come back to Him? We'll be singing to encourage you as we stand together and as we sing.
1: You are you a heart that's weary? me of care. Are you a soul? A burden you may do you sorrow you and your... Have you heard He loves you, and that He will abide till the end? If you're visiting with us, we are especially glad you're here. We will gather back tonight, Lord willing, at 6 p.m. for our evening worship time together we invite you back at any opportunity that you might